Jiu-Jitsu is hard, pure and simple. Day in and day out, people from diverse backgrounds walk into Jiu-Jitsu gyms looking to start classes. Unsurprisingly, Jiu-Jitsu has close to a 90% attrition rate for new students. So who are the 10% that make it through the first couple months and continue to train? What drives them to continue through brutal workouts that involve contorting into a human sweat pretzel? In season one of Jiu-Jitsu is Hard, we're talking to people who did just that. My name is Katie Erickson, and I will be your host for this podcast. I am a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt and co-owner of Northwest Martial Arts here in Coos Bay, Oregon. Welcome to Jiu-Jitsu is Hard. Hey everyone, um, <laughs> it's been a hot minute. I've had kind of a crazy couple weeks and it's just been really hard for for me to get to doing the podcast. Um, I have a couple interviews left that I need to do that I'm really excited for. So um, my friend Maria and her daughter Isabel both do jiu-jitsu with us and I'm really excited about having them come on the podcast and um, especially because I know that uh, Max who did our other podcast uh, from a from like a youth perspective it was really interesting to listen to that so I'm really excited to have Isabel speak about her experience as well and then my brother Tim and that's gonna be a really fun one because I've never interviewed my sibling so I'm kind of excited about that but um, right now, it's, it's just like things have been really rough with my health and it's just not been holding up how I wish it was. So I had to pull out of my, my super fight that I was going to have, um, or my match rather, with Michelle Kylo. Um, so super sad about it, but I know there will be more opportunities. So good luck to all the competitors that will be at the Pacific Northwest uh, Invitational. And you should totally watch. It's going to be on YouTube, I believe, June 18th. And you can find out info on their Instagram and see who's going to be there. I bet it'll be really exciting. So, um, so had to shout that one out. I will be coming to Sub League to coach. I will not be competing. Um, I'm going to be out for some time um, with some health issues, stuff I have to deal with that's not really my favorite thing, but I don't have a choice. And so one of the exercises I was given by one of my coaches was to write about the last six weeks. Partially because I had just come off a, you know, I even though the last tournament was hard, I feel like it was the right thing to do and it gave me the right momentum that I needed to get to the that win that I'm chasing, you know? And uh, I know that outcomes are not supposed to be the most important part, <laughs> but like I still want to win and that's just my ego telling me. Um, so anyway, I wrote this this... I don't know, manifesto of sorts about who I am and the things that I've done and just how things have gone. So I'm, I'm going to read it. I haven't read it all the way through. I wrote it. I know it's eight pages long, so strap in and I might provide commentary as I go through or, or I might just read it. Anyway, here we go.
six weeks. Six weeks ago, I was coming off of a hard tournament and preparing to compete again in two weeks. The tournament I had just competed in was the epitome of a shit show in terms of preparation for the actual event. I blamed all of my unpreparedness on my husband and did not take charge of being on time, having all my food prepared, and didn't know if I was even qualified to be competing again. Competition as a black belt is hard. The expectation that you put on yourself to perform is high. Considering that earning your black belt is a completely subjective experience makes every performance feel like the end of the world if you aren't winning. The losses come even harder when you put yourself out there against other women who are ranked below you but are still beating you. I just came out of a tournament where I was beaten by a lower ranked woman in the gi who I'd been competing against for years. Um, totally beat me up. <laughs> I didn't write that, but then I challenged myself by going with a heavyweight black belt woman who I just couldn't get out from under. And then I went again to compete with a woman who has significant amount of fights under her belt and just didn't pull out the win. In this competition, I believe I was at a mental low point. I didn't have the ability to mentally want to win and I didn't believe in myself because I was scared and mostly just afraid of losing instead of focusing on winning. I didn't have drive or fire to win. I was under my opponents wondering why I was even there. This competition made me go back to the drawing board in a big way to take responsibility for my actions and to do better next time. As I prepared for my next competition, I was going through a change in medication for my anxiety and I had a new diagnosis on record for major depressive disorder. I always knew that I was depressed from the time that I was young until now. Being sad and depressed was a state I lived in. I was tired of feeling this way though and I decided to take charge of my mental state and do things to make myself better. I knew the change in medication was going to be hard but I don't usually take the easy route. Amid changing medication, I also enlisted the help of my friend and coach Heather Woods, who provided me with a training plan and a nutritionist. Heather and I worked out a game plan for what I needed to practice taking charge of in my competitive game. What I was missing in my practices was a sense of focus on what I was doing. I spent more time wondering how to just, in quotes, not get there, end quote, as in, how do I make myself be the most comfortable I can be on the mats? Because the discomfort I was in on a regular basis was making my life unbearable. Being on the mats, I wanted to find enjoyment. However, I wasn't enjoying it still. I have a tendency to go through the motions and not be present when I know I need to do the work, even if I don't want to. Even so, I was determined to work through it because you don't grow in your comfort zone. I took the practices I was given and I did them anyway. What I learned in these practices was that I have a real tendency to play jujitsu with a sense of fear. I am fearful of making mistakes. I realized when Heather asked me to start filming my practices so she could see them, my practices were becoming miserable. I was miserable at having to record myself knowing I couldn't be perfect. I couldn't win every exchange. Every exchange that I lost would pile onto the next loss and the next one. What would happen is a big failure spiral, knowing that I couldn't get over the previous mistake and bringing it into the next match. Every time I made a mistake, 
knowing it was going to be recorded and sent to Heather felt like I was turning in an assignment that was trash. I felt like Heather would not think it is good enough or that I was working hard enough. I always felt like I couldn't do enough in these practices. Ultimately, this was an excruciating experience to record myself making mistakes in the gym and knowing I had to turn them in. One of the hardest parts about the rounds for me was being forced to play in my guard, a position I do not feel strong or confident in. I logically understand that you need to get better at any given position in any sport. Rather, the sentence should read, I logically understand that to get better at any given position in any given sport, you have to put yourself in uncomfortable places. My mindset was not there to mentally engage in positive ways with my practice. I beat myself up mentally before I was on the mat. I know I have a tendency to beat myself up before I even step on the mat. Example being earlier in this year, I competed against a woman who had guillotined me before a few years prior. The experience was so terrible being out there losing in front of everyone that I mostly avoided having to compete with her. However, the time had come again to fight her. I spent too much time dwelling on getting choked by her previously that by the time I went into our match together, I underestimated myself and literally got choked again in the same way. I believe my visualization of the past event determined my future. I was devastated. My puppies are in here. <laughs> Hi, girl. Go. Go play. Fast forward to getting to the actual competition end of April. If anything, I determined I was not going to be irresponsible about this competition day prep and would ensure I had everything I needed to be the best I could, which in the end directly contributed to a better performance outcome. I made sure that I was on weight ahead of the competition and I did follow my nutrition plan like I was supposed to. I made sure I knew what time I needed to be there and that I had all the food I would need for the day and anything else I needed to prepare. This was a big focus for me knowing that my last competition had not gone well because I spent the day stressed out about things I could clearly control, being on time and being prepared, etc. This time I was ready to compete despite being in the middle of an emotional roller coaster while I tried to get into a better mental state. Competition day had great conditions. We were at the venue on time with everything we needed. I knew I would have one match for the day. Normally I have anywhere between three and five matches and they are in different divisions or with different rule sets. This day was the first time in a long time I only had to focus on one specific match. I made sure to give myself room to prepare for the match itself. Normally what I had been going through was being the coach for all my competitors on top of being the competitor myself. This match was different. My husband was there to coach all the other competitors and I only had to worry about myself. This allowed me to take a full hour or so to find space to quiet my mind and meditate. I have specific meditations I do before every single competition. They are grounding and remind me what I have to bring to the match. I spent a good amount of time controlling my breath and heart rate. What I like to do is to make sure that I am cute, cool as a cucumber right before I need to warm up. Once I'm in the mindset to get ready to warm up, then it's go time. I like to get my body moving quickly and get my breath out, as I like to call it. You know that feeling where you're not sure if you're going to puke because you're nervous or excited? That's where I like to get. I like to get to the space of already sweating and a little shaky. 
I like to get here and remind myself that I already have all the tools I need to get the job done and that I'm already a winner because I fucking showed up. I decided I have what it takes inside of me to stand in front of another person and declare that I have what it takes to fight and if you want to beat me, you're going to have to kill me first. I put myself up in my mind. I slap down my body to get ready for combat. I step to the edge of the mat, pay my respects for the game, and then run onto the mat when I'm called and get ready to go. Just writing about this makes my palms sweat and my heart race. <laughs> Reading does too. The matches were hard that day. I knew I had a couple different scenarios to face. Either I win two in a row and it's over, we go one and one and then I have a tiebreaker match, or she wins two and it's over. I never think about what these matches will be in the moment because I don't believe in looking at all matches at once. I believe in looking at each match one at a time as they happen and adjusting based on the outcomes. My first match was okay. I did not get the win in that match, so I knew I would have to come back out with a new plan of attack. I was able to go the distance in the match, and the only thing that happened was my guard was passed, so she scored points at the end for the win. While I can look at it now and say I did better guard work than before, it still was a terrifying experience. For the first time in a long time, I was scared to be playing a new position I had never been forced to play before. The game plan was for me to get to guard and play from there, so I did get to guard. But what happened in the first match was that I did not have a secondary plan once I was there. I think I didn't expect to be able to accomplish being in the guard successfully, so I didn't have any plan of attack after being able to get there. After the match was over, I walked off the mats and I thought I might die. I might die right there next to the mat. I was scared about playing my guard and did not want to do it again. I opted to try and stand more in the next round and felt ready to go. Both, David, or both Heather and David reassured me that the match was great and that I would have another opportunity to be great in the next match. I walked out confident in my next match, knowing that I had to put the previous match behind me and get my own momentum going. This time didn't go my way in any capacity. <laughs> I was taken down because I had chosen to stand more than play in my guard and I ended up spending a lot of time in bottom half guard. This girl got her hands around my neck and tried to choke me, but I refused to allow that to happen to me. She eventually was able to lock up an, on, an arm bar, and I fought it so hard. While I was trying to say tap, no one could hear me. I had to let go of my arm to tap, and I got arm barred. I was pissed. <laughs> what I think, I think what felt even worse than this, though, was my reaction to the entire situation. I barely had it in me to shake her hand, shake the referee's hand, shake her coach's hand, and then find my way out of the auditorium before I threw a huge fit. I was so angry at this girl for saying something about me being tough or some other trope that I just find excruciating to be told by someone that just beat you. Nobody feels good by being told they're good by someone that just beat them. It mostly just hurt like a consolation comment or a, you know, come back soon sort of feeling. I grabbed all of my things and I stormed through the auditorium until I could get outside and then I scream cried for 10 minutes. I cried about how hard this tournament had been. I cried because I didn't feel like anyone could imagine what it felt like to carry the burden of having a black belt around my waist. 
and having to fight women who are lower rank than you but are clearly have a ton of experience. This girl is a rostered UFC fighter that I'm talking about, a real professional athlete. I had gone through hell and back in the previous tournament, and this tournament felt no different. I had no ability to emotionally regulate myself in these moments, and the pain of the losses just hurt. I remember looking at my husband and just yelling about wondering, why was I even there? What was I even doing? Why wasn't I getting better? If I'm putting in hours at the gym and studying jujitsu and trying to learn techniques, why am I not winning? When will I ever win a match? I remember saying that I'm tired of losing and tired of working hard for nothing. I felt so tired of fighting and not coming away with anything. I had no sense of pride in the work I had accomplished, and I didn't feel much pride about who I was as a person either, having lost a tournament again in front of tons of people. The weight of being, in quotes, a loser, end quote, was on me. It was a heavy burden to carry. Somehow, I was able to find it within myself to pick myself up off the ground find my husband and my things and walk back to the truck and go shower and eat a pupper while I was devastated in this experience I did recover faster than usual I did have some good feedback about myself I had stuck to the game plan of being on time being ready with all of my things doing proper meditation and proper mindset work before competing I tried to give myself grace knowing I was doing all of this while switching from a regular anxiety medication to one that would treat the depression and the chronic pain that I experience. This loss still hurts me right now as I write about it. Also as I talk about it, it does too. It also hurt me that I made the mistake of seeing what this woman would say about me online. And I shouldn't have looked either. Seeing her say something about how she beat, in quotes, a black belt from Coos Bay and how she could, in quotes, check that off her bucket list, fucking hurt. To combat that feeling, I said to myself, quote, the goal sh she is writing about isn't that much of an accomplishment. So I don't know why she thinks so much of herself, end quote, which is also myself putting myself down. It hurts to see the final moments of getting your arm basically detached from your body as someone's highlight reel. And I know that people can only hurt you if you let them. But even when I'm strong, it still hurts to know that what I do is put myself out there and tell the world that I think I'm good enough to win. And then when I don't, I feel shame and embarrassed. I feel like it was ridiculous to even try. Regardless of the pain and the shame I felt from that performance, I decided to still look forward to a super fight I had coming up and a championship on the horizon, both in June. I decided I was going to be able to recover from the loss and learn how to move on. I was specifically feeling like I learned a lot of different lessons throughout the last few competitions in this year. I had spent a good portion of the last five months working on improving my game and getting better. I felt like I'd figured out a few things that were crucial to my success. One, I acquired a new jiu-jitsu coach. Two, I had a new game plan and strategy for in-match mindset. Three, I met with a nutritionist to create a new eating plan. Four, 
I ensured I had all my blood tests run to eliminate any other issues. Five, I found a new therapist to continue therapy. It's clear to me that I need to continue this practice, and I had stopped for a while. Six, I was learning that I needed to be more professional, and I was ashamed that I couldn't emotionally regulate myself well. I wanted to learn to be more professional on the mats. Seven, I engaged my students in letting them know what I needed from them and finally was asking people to train with me. Eight, I was feeling less bad about recording my practices instead of allowing myself to feel shame. I would try to identify what feeling it was I was having while practicing so I could find the root cause of that feeling to remove it from practice. However, my plans of completing the super fight or match um, and competing in the championship were not going to come to fruition. Unfortunately, a health issue got in my way and put me out for the rest of my season. I had to pull out of the super fight in the championship and without knowing how long it will take until I'm 100% signing up for anything else is on hold. I must accept that I have health issues that are recurrent and I need to learn how to live with them and work with them because they will not be going away anytime soon. I will forever have digestive problems and experience chronic pain. I will most likely forever deal with anxiety and depression on a regular basis. These are part of the human experience. They were not part of my plan in my human experience. And I have spent the last few years thinking, if I just work hard enough through it, I can make it without addressing, and maybe it will just go away. However, neglecting your physical and mental health is detrimental to your athletic performance, and unfortunately, you can't just work harder always. You need to work smarter. Accepting the parts about us that are not part of the plan is also important. Working against your body instead of with it does not produce optimal results, results is what I've found. The question that I must answer now is what is going to be next for me? What have I learned through this experience? What character am I building right now? What perspective can I come away with? Things that I've learned. One. Your worth as an individual is not solely based upon your athletic skill and outcomes slash achievements. You deserve to still think highly of yourself even when you're down. It takes a lot of courage to put yourself out there in the first place and to take the risk of losing in front of everyone. 1A. With that said, I think I could work on becoming a better professional in loss and defeat on the mats. I think I could work on becoming more neutral in my feelings about practice. I think I can be more positive when I'm practicing. Number two, every single day you are healthy and able to practice, you should. You should feel gratitude for the ability to move your body. When that ability is gone, it is very hard to accept feeling inadequate. Even on days when you need to rest, it is important to allow yourself to actually rest, not feel guilty that you aren't being more productive. Rest and relaxation are integral parts of being a well-rounded athlete. If you don't take the proper time to take care of yourself, you will run yourself into the ground and exacerbate health problems. Three, no one will ever know what it takes for you to get through your day, through your practice, through your competition. 
No one will ever be able to comprehend the work you put in to get to where you are. Say what they will, they will never know the strife, struggle, hard work you input to wake up and try again and again. You will be the only person who knows those things and the only person who can reassure themselves you are doing everything you possibly can. You are already a winner. This is number four. <laughs> Period. There are no qualifications to be a winner other than putting in your best efforts every single time. Your best on any given day will look different. Some days your best is to show up and be present. Some days your best is choking out all the fools in your gym. Whatever way to show up to be your best and win the day, per Chip Kelly, is your best. And you can already take solace knowing you are a winner. 4A. Recognizing greatness in others is ourselves recognizing the greatness in ourselves. Number five. Mindset is everything. As a person who tends to view things on in the negative spectrum, it is easy to fall into negative mindsets. As soon as I realized I have a health problem that was going to get in the way of training properly for my competitions, I made sure to cry it out really hard first and get the sadness and grief out of my way. I also listened to my internal coach, the one that coaches my students and sometimes must also coach me when I need guidance. The very first thing I tell my students when they are injured is to stay positive and look for other things or and look for other ways to study and improve. Getting good at jujitsu isn't just about practicing the actual art. There are millions of books, instructional videos, film of my own and my opponents in my weight class, and going to actual class to watch technique that provides outlets for learning while unable to perform the art itself. I started two books during this time I haven't been able to practice, and I already can feel the difference in being able to change the way I think about winning. Sometimes winning means I got out of bed and I fed myself. Sometimes winning means I went to the gym and did hard practice. They're both winning dependent on what my abilities were that day. Being able to recognize wins when they come is important. 5A. It's very clear to me that I am not good at recognizing good performance or skill use during matches or practice. I don't take my wins and congratulate myself for them. I think it's important to sell important to give yourself wins to gain momentum. 6. No one can take away all the hard work and perseverance I put in. I get to own that forever. I the one that knows what I am capable of. I always get to own that regardless of what stage my what stage of my ugh, starting again. I always get to own that regardless of what stage of my athletic career I am in. I know that no one works harder to be a better version of themselves than I do. I try again and again every single day. I might wake up and only make it 45 minutes into my day and all hell breaks loose. But I know that I will wake up again the next day and keep trying. You'll have to kill me to get me to stop trying. I read somewhere that a player that doesn't give up is the hardest to beat. If I'm remembering properly, I think that might be Yogi Berra. So what's next? What's to come? Number seven. I can be assured that even though I cannot currently compete or train, I do know how to be a good team player. I know that I can still coach my athletes effectively and help them work towards their athletic best. I know that I can show up and watch my teammates practice and help them improve while I'm sidelined. 
I will show up for them at their competitions and work on their excellence. Number eight, I can take some of this time off to improve my diet and nutrition. After meeting with my doctors, the best I can do is to eat, rest, and move properly. There is nothing here but time for me to get better. I can put this time into perspective knowing at best I will be recovered in six to eight weeks. In three weeks, I will go back to see if they will do surgery or not. There's really no telling what will come. However, I'm not willing to let fear dictate what I do next. While I do think it's okay to feel scared, it's what you do when you're scared that is the most important. I will not decide to give up in fear, but rather move through it and learn to conquer it. 8a. This fear is deeply rooted in seeing myself solely through the lens of a competitor and wrapping up my identity in, in my performance and ability to be one. 8 um, a oh I don't know how why I did that 8b <laughs> it has become clear to me that I find very little value in myself outside of the ability to compete and win this is solely this is a solely outcome-based perspective when you are only focused on outcomes determining your worth you are setting yourself up for failure And then it looks like I went through a list of different very specific things that I can do. Um, I'm going to leave those off the podcast, though, because I feel like mm, these aren't things that I wanted to read from this. Um, they're just like all the things that I need to do about continuing to meditate, things that I'm reading, um, eating, all that kind of stuff, like the, inst- like the actual instruction plan. And then I wrote one last section. In three weeks, I will assess the next set of goals. What's most important moving forward in jujitsu is that I get back to a love of the game and a love of the journey. You have to have a lot of failures to reach success. Every failure is an opportunity to learn more about yourself and what you can do to improve. It is through seeking improvement in the everyday that we will move the needle in the long game. In the grand scheme of things, this time away is minuscule. I have been in this game since September of 2009. I've competed in over 20 tournaments, had upwards of 100 matches, have probably done a thousand sparring rounds in my career. I've been teaching since 2015 and have educated hundreds of jiu-jitsu practitioners and taught countless women's self-defense seminars, at least a thousand teaching hours over the years in total. I have tested myself repeatedly and never given up regardless of the stakes and have only ever not competed due to injury or illness, never out of fear. I have also never missed weight. I was able to build my own business in my hometown with my husband. I can have him home more often because we are building the lifestyle we want. I may not be working there quite yet, but we have a self-sufficient business that employs multiple people who we trust. I own two homes. I just purchased the (laughs) the badass truck of my dreams. I received a raise and a promotion to be as a senior financial analyst this year, reporting to a VP at a Fortune 500 company. In my young life, I have many accomplishments of theatrical performances in the community and a long streak of volunteerism that earned me a service letter from uh, President Bush. That was back in uh, 2007, my friends. who was on the uh, state championships girls swim team as a senior at Northman High School and I made the varsity team both my junior and my senior year. 
I was also on the cheerleading team my senior year of high school in varsity, and I played volleyball from about the 3rd through the 12th grade. I became Miss Oregon's Outstanding Teen in 2005 and became the first team to attend the Miss America's Outstanding Teen competition in its inaugural year. I wrote my own piano piece to perform to win that pageant, and I used it in my competition in Florida at Nationals. The following year, I performed at Miss Oregon, both the piano and vocally, and then I came back some years later to help emcee parts of the pageant. I went on to earn my bachelor's degree at the University of Oregon, where I studied political science and Spanish, and I have put myself through school that entire time. I have done some amazing things in my life. And I forget that sometimes I am enough as I am. I am enough as I already am. You can call me anything you want, but a quitter. I'll never quit searching for improvement in myself. And that's my story. That's the last six weeks of this crazy life and I know I've recorded this but I haven't decided if I will publish it yet I'm going to think about it and if you hear this then you know I decided to publish it <laughs> um, it's been real hard um, but I think things are going to be good got a lot of things to do with the gym have a lot of exciting things to come I have more interviews to do and I'm going to see y'all on the flip side.